Welcome to the Grove Church's message podcast. My name is Julie Penta, and I am the lead pastor of the Grove Church, which is located in Fort Collins, Colorado. We hope this message inspires you to live for Christ more fully. For more information, visit our website at thegrovecommunity.net and check out our Instagram, thegrovefc. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our small little group today. Holidays are notorious for having low church attendance, so you guys are the few and the faithful. Thanksgiving is over, and it's finally Christmas. I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of friends who were just itching to put up their Christmas trees, and now it's socially acceptable to do it because Thanksgiving is over. So go for it, start singing Christmas carols. And what I've noticed, in the Christmas season is there's usually two types of people that really come out. So check out this video. Very good at decorating that tree. Why are you messing with me? Did Krumpa put you up to this? I'm not messing with you. It's just nice to meet another human who shares my affinity for elf culture. I'm just trying to get through the holiday. Get through? Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world. Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing, especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th- no there isn't. Wait. I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. I think this is so funny because this guy, he's supposed to be like an elf, you know, if Santa and the North Pole were all real, spoiler alert, okay, Sorry, but Santa's not. However, Buddy the Elf is just like bleeding Christmas spirit. He loves Christmas. He loves Santa. He loves Christmas carols. And I think a lot of people usually kind of go toward that. The other type, though, is like this girl where she's kind of like, look, I just want to get through the holidays. So how many of you are a little bit more like Buddy the Elf and you just love Christmas so much? You just can't stand it. (laughs) And... Thank you, Anne. (laughs) I'm personally a little bit more on the other side. Holidays are like, okay, sure, it's fine, it's nice. But I don't don't get the enthusiasm like Buddy the Elf does. And I think part of that is because there's a lot of things about Christmas time that I personally would change. And I think we all have things that we would change. So what are some of those things? Maybe we would make it less expensive or less about gifts. Sometimes Christmas can be a reminder of the money we don't have and all the things we want. We start to see the greed in our lives. We start to have these family gatherings where I, I don't know if you've ever heard of an instant pot, but it's a pressure cooker and lately I've been loving this instant pot because it cooks meals really fast. And family time around Christmas is kind of like a pressure cooker. You get everybody in one area at one time, and there's a lot of pressure. 
Because you don't usually see your grandma and your aunt and your extended great aunt's cousin all the time. But when you get them all in one place, all of the unforgiveness in your family comes out, all of the competition. Maybe we're missing somebody in our family that we've lost or that we haven't heard from in a long time. And all of these things in our lives that are actually going wrong, this darkness in our lives, really starts to come out in Christmas time. There's people we can't control. There's expectations we can't meet. And maybe society puts those on us, but I think we put them on ourselves. I was actually talking to Jensley just yesterday. I had already written this message, and I was telling her, I'm not really sure if I'm going to buy a Christmas tree this year. We usually get a real one, so we don't have one we can just throw up. And she was like, well, why not? And I said, well, I'm not really sure if we're having any gatherings at our house. And I feel like if we're gonna have the gathering at our house, we have to have a Christmas tree. But if we're not having a gathering at our house, then like, I don't know, I don't think I'm really feeling it this year. And she said, well, the only person who's saying you have to have a tree if you have a gathering is you. You're putting that expectation on yourself. Nobody else is gonna walk into your house on Christmas Eve and go, well, why didn't you get a tree? They're not gonna say any of that. We put these expectations on ourselves. We're supposed to buy the right gifts for everybody. We're supposed to spend a certain amount of money. We're supposed to pick out the perfect thing that's gonna bring somebody joy. But at the end of the day, all these expectations, we really can't live up to them. And so we start to feel this darkness. And what we do with the lights and the trees and the songs and the eggnog and everything else is we kind of start to suppress the darkness. We're putting a Band-Aid on it. We're pretending it isn't there. We pretend that we get along with all of our family members. I can't wait to see that one uncle who really rubs me the wrong way. We put a smile on our face and try to make it okay until the Christmas season is over. But Christmas isn't actually supposed to be a time where we pretend everything is okay. Christmas is supposed to be a time that gives us a, a solution to the darkness in our lives, not just hiding it, but solving it. Now in the Bible, um, we've got two parts of the Bible. I've got my Bible up here to show you. Um, because I think this kind of stuff doesn't get said a lot, and um, here at The Grove, one of our values is non-assumptiveness, non-assumptive language. And so we don't wanna assume that you know a bunch of things about the Bible and all of that, because, well, that's not fair. So. I've got my Bible. We have two parts of the Bible. We have the Old Testament, which is like the first big chunk, and the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, that's basically everything before Jesus. And in the New Testament, it's everything from Jesus and forward. Now the very last book of the Old Testament, it's called Malachi. It's actually quite short, like right here-ish. Oh, I found it, it's right here. And it's the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi was a prophet, or the book, that's what you know, scholars are pretty sure of. And back then, they had one person, a prophet, who spoke on behalf of God. It wasn't like today, where we each had a Bible on our cell phones, we could just pull up whatever we wanted, and we could go in our room and pray, and we felt this connection. It was, it was a person, a prophet, who was supposed to hear what God had to say for his people, 
and then pass it down to everybody. So Malachi was one of these people and he wrote this book saying what God was saying. And after he wrote that book, there was no other prophets, no other word from God, nothing, for over 400 years. And then Jesus came. So you've got this huge gap between like timeline-wise, the Old Testament and the New Testament, over 400 years, where God's people are going, hello, is God even still around? Like, is he a thing anymore? We haven't heard from him. I mean, I'm thinking after 200 years, I think we'd probably be like, okay, I, I, I'm starting to have some doubt here. I'm not so sure if he was ever there in the first place. I mean, 400 years is a really long time, multiple generations of people. So if I'm thinking, well, the last time we heard from God was my great-great-grandfather, I don't know that I would buy into it anymore. And I imagine that the people at that time, God's people, were starting to feel like they were living in darkness. Have you guys ever been in a moment of, of waiting where maybe you take a medical test? This actually happened to me. Back when I was 16, I had my appendix out, which many, many people do. But when they took it out, they found out it, there was a tumor. And so I had to take all these tests and wait all these days to find out if it was benign, if I had cancer, if there were more tumors in my body. And thank God, none of that was true. It was just some random weird thing. But that time period of having to wait and not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing what the results were going to be was excruciating. And we've all had moments like this, or maybe we're waiting to hear from somebody we haven't heard from. Maybe they're overseas and we can't just call them up. Or maybe we just have no idea where they are. Or it could be a medical thing or waiting for a job or a career or a child, something you've been praying for and praying for. And after a while, it just starts to feel like, I'm not sure if this is gonna happen for me. And we start to doubt and we start to feel that darkness set in in our lives. Just like the people did back then after Malachi, they're thinking, I'm not so sure. And, and they knew that Jesus was supposed to come. They had been told that. But 400 years is so long that they started to feel that darkness. And then we go to the New Testament when Jesus does show up. And we're gonna read from the book of John. And in the book of John, it was written, um, basically John was a follower of Jesus. They called him John the Baptist. If you've ever heard that, it's the same guy. And so we're gonna read what he starts talking about in the very beginning of his book. We're gonna go, if you decide to um, pull out your Bible or your phones, we're reading John 1, 1 through 13. And you can also just follow along on the screen. It's very convenient. So it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Now a side note, when they talk about this capital W word here, they're actually referring to Jesus himself. So they're saying in the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then in uh, chapter eight, just a few chapters later, it says that Jesus himself was speaking to the people and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So the series we've entered into today is called Let There Be Light. And spoiler alert, it's not about Christmas lights or lights on the tree or the beautiful wood-burning fireplace that we're supposed to all have apparently. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the light that we're talking about today. And what's really cool is in this book, John, he's talking about this light of the world who's here, who's coming. And the people that he's talking to would know all of these big key important stories, most likely, from the Old Testament. And what's interesting is what he's talking about actually is referring back to things that they would know have happened. So in the Old Testament, the very second book, so pretty early on, so like here-ish, is Exodus. And in that book, people, uh, God's people were in slavery in Egypt. They were enslaved and they are finally getting out of slavery. So they start to leave, called the Exodus. They start to leave slavery and they go into the wilderness. And it says in Exodus 13, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. The Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So this is really cool because when we're hearing from John, he's saying Jesus is the light of the world. That sounds great. But the people who were hearing this first and reading this first were thinking back. They had this context about when long, long time ago, God literally led his people with light, with fire. And so now John's saying, hey, you guys, you know how God did this way back then? He led us with fire and light. Well, now I know we haven't heard from him for a super long time, but now he is gonna lead us with a different light. And that light is Jesus. And what's really cool is we get to have it. We get to know him. Now, today is the uh, first day of what a traditional church uh, would call Advent. And you may have heard the word Advent before in relation to an Advent calendar. I, as a kid, loved Advent calendars. You basically, as you know, every uh, day in December, one, two, three, etc., was a little drawer. And you pull out the drawer, open a little compartment, and there was a chocolate inside. And it was awesome, even though it was probably really not great quality chocolate. And thinking back, it wasn't actually very tasty. It like, had a waxy flavor. But it was so exciting to open a little thing and get chocolate every day. But Advent is actually a little bit more than just counting down the days in December. 
until we get to Christmas. The word Advent in Latin, which is where it comes from, is called Adventus, and it means the coming or the arrival. And it was also a ceremony back in ancient Rome when an emperor or a king would show up during a war or a battle or right after, and the people are looking at the king, hoping for victory, hoping for hope from the king. And when he would show up to their city, they would have a ceremony called Adventus. So it's a celebration and, a, and an expectation that something amazing is coming, victory, hope, a king for us. So during this Advent time, we celebrate the coming or the arrival of Jesus, which then we finally celebrate at Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So one of the things that we do during this Advent time is we light candles every week. Every candle has a different, uh, it represents something different. So there's hope, love, joy, and peace. And then this candle here represents Christ himself, which will light on Christmas Eve. So every Sunday we light one candle. And this week we light the candle for hope. And this is the hope that there's going to be light coming into our lives, light in all the darkness in our lives, all these parts of our lives that need transformation. And Jesus can provide that through himself because he is the light. But we don't want to just think about it every Sunday and light a candle and then leave. We're not just supposed to remember the light of the world. We're supposed to receive the light in our worlds. So what does it mean? What does that mean, receive the light in our world? How do we do that? Well, have you ever uh, heard the term, it was like a moth to a flame? Have, if you've ever gone camping or you turn your patio light on, at least here in Colorado, we definitely get moths at certain times of the year more than others. And if you have your patio light on, all of a sudden, moths are there and they're like, fluttering all over on the light bulb and they can't quite sit on it. So they're just kind of like bumping into it and it's super weird, but they won't go away. And the reason is because moths actually are hardwired to search for their, to use, I guess I should say, light as a directional tool. So they are hardwired to use the sun, to use the moon, to know where they are, where they're going. That's what scientists spectate anyway. These are some of the unanswered questions of the world, why bugs like light. But in general, they think it's probably to use it as directions. And what happens is when we put these artificial lights out there, these light bulbs, they don't know the difference. So they go to them and they're stuck and they're distracted and they can't get to what they actually are trying to get to. So they just kind of stop there on our porches and our porch lights. And it's quite annoying for us, but I'm sure it's even more annoying for the moths. And we have these things in our lives as well. Jesus is supposed to be our light. He is the ultimate light. The Bible tells us that. And I believe that. I have felt it in my life. He'll light up your darkness. But we get distracted and stuck by all of these artificial lights things that we're not supposed to be putting all of our hope into. These can be 
good things like your spouse or your job, like awesome things that can really provide you joy in your life. But we have to make sure not to put all of our eggs in that basket. All of our hope is supposed to go in Jesus. He's the true light. And we don't wanna get stuck like a moth at these artificial lights because that's not at the end of the day going to fulfill us. We are hardwired like moths are to be searching for purpose and for meaning in our lives. And when we start to put our purpose and our meaning into these other things that aren't Jesus, we aren't fulfilled. And it feels bad. We're thinking, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? It's because there's a missing piece. And that missing piece is the true light. And we have to recognize the true light. And again, those things aren't necessarily bad things. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. But too much of a good thing in our lives can become a God thing in our lives. And we've gotta watch that. We've gotta make sure we don't make good things in our lives become God things in our lives. And once we've recognized this light that's Jesus, we have to grab hold of it. We have to grab hold of the light. So I wanna give you a little bit of an illustration. In a traditional wedding scenario here in America, when um, you know, kind of the ceremony's done and everybody's sort of partying and dancing and having a great time celebrating the marriage, there's a portion where all of the single or just unmarried women get together in a group. And the bride stands with her back toward the group with her bouquet. And the promise or the wives' tale is if, when she throws that bouquet, whichever woman catches it will be the next woman to get married, which a lot of women think sounds great. So if they're not married, they get in there and they wait for the bride to throw the bouquet. Now I'm actually gonna show you a picture of my wedding, which is about seven years ago. And uh, that right there in the like blue skirt, that's my maid of honor, Amy. And this is right after the bouquet toss. And what's happened is the bouquet goes up and they're all like, oh, you know, trying to get it. And they all basically just like hit it to the ground. Nobody actually catches it. So it's beelined for the ground and she's going for it. She's like, that bouquet is mine. And this is what we have to do with God because we're being given an opportunity we're being given a promise that's light in our darkness, hope in our lives. But see, like Amy here, she didn't just watch the other ladies get it. She didn't just say, oh, well, that's okay, maybe next time. And we can't do that either. We can't just stand on the sidelines and say that, yeah, I mean, that's a great opportunity, I guess, sure, like I believe it, but whatever. That's not gonna do us any good. We have to go after it. And what's awesome and way more awesome than this scenario is that everybody gets a bouquet. In, in, in life, biblically, Jesus is saying, you all get it. I don't know if you've ever watched Oprah. I actually have not ever watched Oprah, but I've seen the gifts on my phone of Oprah and like on Facebook where she's giving things away. So I don't, if you haven't seen it, this won't mean anything to you, I guess, but she's basically 
like when she had her shows, she would give stuff away to the audience. And she'd be like, you get a laptop, you get a laptop, everybody gets a laptop. And there's a gift that shows that. And that's what came to mind when I was thinking about this message. It's, it's like, you get a bouquet, you get life, you get light, you get hope, everybody gets it. It's awesome because it's not just one person and it's not a competition. We're all being offered that light. So we have to grab hold of it. We can't just let it go to somebody else because it's being offered to all of us. Um, John, he actually goes on in that longer passage that we read. We're gonna keep going, just one more verse. And it says, John 1, 12, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So he's been saying, Jesus is the light. He's coming. He gives us new life. But what does that mean? It means that we then get to become children of God. If we receive the light, we get to become children of God. There's another passage in the New Testament that says the same thing in Galatians. It says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And I think it's important to think about what adoption really means. It's not some sort of agreement. The adopter doesn't go, hey, little Jimmy, um, you know, I'm gonna adopt you. I know you're only eight, but you're gonna like pay a third of the fees, right? No, no. The adopter is acting out of extravagant love for the adoptee, and they accept them into their family. They get a full inheritance, and there is nothing owed back. They don't have to pay it back. They don't have to earn it. It's just extravagant love. And God is saying that we get to be adopted into his family. All we have to do is receive the light. That's all we have to do, and nothing is owed back. And so, what we're going to do, um, we're gonna do what we call a God space time. And in our God space time, we actually do this every week. We give you some time to reflect on what God is telling you, what is happening within your heart, within your spirit, what you're thinking, what, what's got your mind reeling, how can this apply to you? So we're gonna take a few moments now just to reflect on how can we be grabbing hold of this light? Have we received it? Have we made that choice? And if we have, how are we grabbing hold of it? Maybe you have to have a conversation with God and renew that commitment and just remind yourself of that love that is being offered to you. And you can keep coming back every week we're gonna continue this series, Let There Be Light. It'll be the same theme all throughout the Christmas time. And you can just be putting yourself in a position to receive the light by being here and by being able to hear God's word, to be with people who want to love you like God loves you. And so I want you to think about what areas of your life still need to be transformed and what can you do to continue grabbing hold of the light?
So if you are here today and you have not yet made that decision to receive the light that's Jesus and you're thinking that today might be the day, we are gonna give you some space for that because we think that this is a really great time to do it at Christmas when we're leading up to the arrival of our Savior. This is a great time to say, God, I'm ready to receive the light. I'm ready to have light in my darkness, to have hope in my world. So what we're going to do, we're going to say a prayer. And the prayer consists of a few things. It's first an acknowledgement that we are broken and that we make mistakes and we're not perfect. It asks for forgiveness for that from God. And it basically says, God, I wanna be better and I wanna have a better life. So help me do that. It acknowledges that Jesus being born, being that light physically embodied in our world, coming and then dying on the cross and being raised from the dead, got rid of our sin. He paid the price so that we don't have to. And this prayer indicates that decision to turn from our sin and our brokenness and receive Jesus's life. So if you have already made that decision and you are in a relationship with God, you're like, yeah, I follow him. Then I want you to say this prayer out loud. And if you have not made the decision, but today you want to, you're gonna say the prayer out loud. Because we are in this together. This is not meant to be something you do alone. Life is meant to be lived in community. No matter how small our community may be sometimes, and sometimes it may be so big, we're all in this together. We are a squad. So we're all gonna say this prayer out loud. We don't want anybody to feel singled out or nervous to make that decision to follow Christ because it'll be the best decision you can ever make. And if you are not ready for that today, you're still on the fence about the God thing, that's fine. It's totally okay. We still want you here. We still wanna get to know you. We still wanna love on you. And for this prayer time, I think it's um, just totally fine if you stay silent because we don't believe we should say things that we don't mean in our hearts. And so you're welcome to stay silent during this prayer. It'll be on the screen if you want to follow along. But what we're gonna do is everybody's gonna bow their heads. I'm gonna say a part of the prayer and you're gonna repeat it back. So will everybody please bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I have messed up and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you are the light of the world. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I look forward to the new life you offer. In your name I pray, amen. Now with everybody's eyes still closed, your head still bowed, if you did 
uh, say that prayer today for the first time and initiate that relationship with God, if you'll please just raise your hand so that I can follow up with you and make sure you have what you need to walk this journey with you. And now everybody can open their eyes. Will you all pray with me? God, thank you so much for being the light in our world. Thank you for sending your son to give us hope, to give us light in our darkness, to light up our worlds. And God, we ask that over this Christmas season, you will help us to receive your light and to recognize your light and to know how we can grab hold of it. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you were inspired by this message and would like to speak with a pastor, check out our website at thegrovecommunity.net for more info.